Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone on voiceamerica.com. Women, nice to have you on the show this morning. We've got a great show coming up. And in this hour, our best-selling authors of The Nanny Diaries, Emma McLaughlin and Nicole Krauss, returning with their new book, Dedication. And coming up in the second half hour of the show is the author of Tank Top Arms, Bikini Belly, Boy Shorts Bottom, Mina Lessing. And, of course, always joining me every week is Lauren Beller. Lauren Beller is my business coach, and she is president of Big Fish Nation, bigfishnation.com, a 12-month entrepreneurial program, which you can take in the comfort of your own home or office. Well, welcome to the show. Right now we're going to be talking to Emma McLaughlin and Nicole Krause, authors of Dedication, Nice to have you on this morning, ladies. Hello, happy to be here. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, well, you've done all kinds of interesting things, obviously. We have to backtrack a little because, yes, new book, dedication, but your first book, The Nanny Diaries, as I understand it, is going, is going to be put into a movie and will be released this September, starting Scarlett Johansson, Laura Lindley, Alicia Keys. Uh, very exciting. We couldn't be more excited. Yeah, we're we're just thrilled with that cast. It's been a dream, a dream cast. It's a great cast. Now, did you have, maybe we should just, for listeners, and I can't imagine anyone hasn't read The Nanny Diaries, <laughs> but uh, just give us a brief rundown what The Nanny Diaries were about. And then my second question is, did you have any say in who, it were go, who plays what part? The Nanny Diaries chronicled the story of 21-year-old Nan in her last year at NYU when she is hired to take care of the only child of the wealthy and prestigious ex-family and pretty soon finds herself taking care of everyone while her paycheck dwindles. And it was a look at white-collar child neglect and one young woman's coming of age professionally. And uh, we actually, we sold the rights, so we sort of gave up any creative control, and then we're just incredibly blessed and gratified to have this incredible team of people come on board um, and and take our work and, and seemingly really lovingly adapt it and, and try to bring the best out of it as they took it to the screen. We have not seen the final product yet, um, so this is all sort of um, impressions that we got when we were lucky enough to visit the set. But... Um, it it could not have turned out better for us so far, you know, if we had been involved. Yeah, it sounds like, well, obviously it's a great cast, and uh, look forward to seeing it in September, as I'm sure both of you do, too. Who came up with the idea for this new book, Dedication? And tell us, give us, we can't tell us the whole story because you'll ruin it, but uh, we want, you know, it's a surprise, very a great surprise ending. But Dedication, who? how did you come up with the, the, for the, the idea for this book? Because it's very different than the other. Emma, do you want to tell them a little bit about what it's about first? Yeah. And I'll tell them how we came yeah, up with it. Yeah, go ahead. Absolutely. What it's about. Let me do that. Um, so Dedication is the story of Kate Hollis, whose ex-boyfriend from high school um, disappeared the day before prom and reemerged a year or two later to become the biggest rock star of her generation. And every song he has written, every song he's world famous for is about her and the veiled, intimate details of that high school relationship. This poor woman has tried to get on with her life and grow up with this soundtrack haunting her from from the gym to the dentist's office to the mall to the date she's on at a bar. Um, she cannot escape these songs, which just keep coming. 
And dedication begins when she's 30 years old and she gets a phone call that this pop star has shown up in her hometown to do an MTV special, and she hops on a plane in the dead of night to read him the riot act. So that is the <laughs> story of Am I talking to Emma? Yes. Okay, Emma, so does, is this based on a true story or real life? Well, it, this is Nikki. Um, the novel began to gestate for us in the summer of '04 when Usher released his Confessions album, which chronicled in excruciatingly intimate detail uh, his breakup with the other equally famous pop star, Chili, from TLC. And he talked about how he cheated on her, and he sang about how bad he felt about that and how hard that was for him. And this album was playing everywhere. It was pumping out of every car stereo. Kids were singing on playgrounds. You could not go to a restaurant, a boutique. And Emma would show up at my apartment every afternoon and say, oh, my God, where is she? Is she in hiding? Is she in a bunker somewhere? How is she surviving this? And that got us thinking about how does someone survive this? I mean, something we've often talked about is resolution and closure, breakups, how do you heal heartbreak? And suddenly to think about someone who is having that rubbed in their face 24-7 by, by the media, we couldn't stop talking about it. And so from there, the idea just sort of grew and grew and grew until we hit upon the idea of this character, Katie Hollis, and her journey with this boy, Jake Sharp. So what's the process in terms of writing the book? How do you two write the book? I'm always interested, co-authors, uh, you know, somebody comes up with the idea. What is the actual process of, of, of writing this book, and how long did it take you to write Dedication? It takes us on average, um, for each of our three books, it's taken us about two years per book from the, mom- the aha moment, the light bulb moment, as Oprah would say, um, to, to the book appearing on the bookshelf. And the way that we start is, as much as Nikki described, how you know something sort of catches our attention, and we begin to bat it back and forth, and that slowly moves into us outlining, um, and we outline together for a, a, usually at least a month or more, um, and really hammer out the story details and the character arcs and all that stuff. And once we've completely nailed down what the journey of, of this character is going to be. Um, we go off and separately work on scenes, which are anything from a couple paragraphs to a couple pages. And then we swap those scenes and edit them for each other. And that gives us a first draft. And from that point forward, um, we pretty much sit elbow to elbow with a lot of cookies in front of either my computer or Nikki's computer um, and just go over it and over it with a fine-tooth comb until it, it, is, it is as it appears today on bookshelves. You come up with a great idea, and obviously it sounds to me like both of you, Emma and Nicola, are idea Hello? people. But what about the, is there, um, I, I guess, a, are you, is it stressful in terms of thinking about is this, gonna book, is this book going to be as successful as the last book, and am I, are we going to be able to keep up the momentum? And To me, that would be pretty scary stuff. I think it was it was much scarier making the transition from the nanny diaries to the citizen girl um sorry to the citizen girl to citizen girl um in in those terms um because you know we had a lot of people um to to whose expectations we wanted to meet. We love our publisher, Atria. They're a spectacular team of people. You know, we wanted to do right by them, our editors, our agents. And um, and I think we were very much had that in our minds. 
and I think the, the blessing of growing up as women, um, as businesswomen, as creative partners, is that we've learned to get back in the same bubble that we were in when we wrote Nanny. And we really just keep our heads down. We stay focused on the story, and we write it from, from a place of joy and creative commitment. And then once it's out in the world, it's out in the world, and we, we hope that people enjoy it. We very much write it with the reader in mind. But, you know, each one of these is a very separate animal released at different times in, in our culture's history, and it's very hard to predict how things will be received. And I think that if you if you only measure the value of, of a creative product by its perception, then you're missing the joy of the process. What about your families and their responses? I mean, I've been talking about the public and the response to the book, which has been wonderful for all three of your books. But how does, you know, you both of you, and you're both young and being very successful, um, what kind of feedback response from family and friends? Because, uh, and I'm, I'm sure you get different kinds of feedback, but I'm always curious as to how, let's start with your families. How did each one of them respond to your success? Well, this is Nikki. My um, father is a bookseller, and my mother was a librarian before they married. So this is really the best grandchild I possibly could have given them. And they are thrilled, <laughs> um, you know, beyond thrilled. And um, on, a, on a personal note, my mother's uh, been battling cancer um, since Nanny was released. So it's been a wonderful distraction for them, and I think it's given them something to focus on um, that's been um, a great way to sort of get their mind off everything else. So it, that's, that's been a blessing. So you, you really yeah, grew absolutely. up in the right family. I think, yeah. um, my father is a, a retired professor, and uh, my mom has her own business. So I think, again, they've also been really thrilled to see, see me, in a sense, have my own business and to see me writing um, it's been well I guess my shared business with Nikki I should say um, is you know I, I think they're really thrilled to see us um, putting our voices out there so they've been really supportive so they've, all, they've been encouraging they've been supportive uh, was there anybody who didn't give you support who said hey girls you know you're, you're trying to do the impossible well, I think when we first started telling people that we were going to be writing a book there was a lot of sort of head, head tilting you know, oh, that's so nice. Good luck with that. Because everybody wants to write a book and everybody's self-publishing, and I could hear them, Emma and Nikki, you know, how do you think you're going to be able to do this? Absolutely, and with good reason. I mean, there are hundreds of thousands of books that come out every year, and, um, you know, why should ours make any sort of mark? And, you know, we, we didn't disagree with them. I mean, we were so terrified because those thoughts were absolutely waking us up in the middle of the night. Um, you know, those people have then, to their credit, come around and said, um, wow, was I being a jackass? Just kidding. <laughs> um, so I think that, you know, everyone now is incredibly supportive of, of, of all of our endeavors, but there are always going to be those naysayers, and those naysayers can be very inspiring if you don't let them stop. You. It's a challenge. The naysayers, yes, they can definitely they they challenge you to, mm-hmm. to yeah to accomplish what you did. Now, how where how did both? I'm curious as to how you met uh, the two of you, Emma, Nikki. Where did you meet? And uh, were you English majors in college? We were actually at New York University, and we were in a division of New York University called the Gallatin School, which is a really incredible school. Um, it is a great books program, and it's a, and it's a, also an individualized study program. So basically, you self-design your degree um, using the great books as your uh, course of study, and you can build in internships and work studies and. It's just a really wonderful program. So we were both doing um, of our, we were both doing arts and education. So Nikki was doing 
um, using arts, uh, using theater actually with young children, and I was doing it with adolescents. And um, we were in a class together, and actually we were too shy, which is unusual for us, but for some reason we just weren't meant to connect while we were still in the school. And after we graduated, we actually ran into each other at an ATM and um, have been, you know, really great friends since then. Have been going to the ATM ever since with your successes. (laughs) Emma, you know, I wanted to ask you, um, after you two got together and you decided, what was the business process? You know, everybody, I get so many questions and emails because I have so many people and friends who want to write a book, and they really don't know where to get started. Um, right. Well, we um, we recommend to people that they sort of keep an eye as to the kind of book that they're interested in writing and looking for similar books like that in the marketplace. And if you um, look to the acknowledgement section, in most books, most often people thank their editors and their agents. Um, And then putting a book proposal together and reaching out to those people so that you can say in your your letter with the proposal, you know, here's how this is similar to the product you've already, you know, the book you've already published or sold. Um, Here's why I think it you know, it would be something that, that people would be interested in, um, that that's, a, that's kind of a good way to get started. Um, and, and we actually sold, uh, our first two books we sold in proposals. So they had very detailed outlines of what the stories were and who the characters were. And then we had put together some sample chapters. Um, we're going to take a short break right now because we are talking to the authors of The Nanny Diaries, Dedication, Emma McLaughlin, and Nikki Krause. We'll be back in a minute. We talk with you, not at you. We're Voice America, Women's Radio Network, the new face of talk radio. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rack and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to Stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. A renowned speaker, writer, and personal coach, Steve Maraboli has risen to national prominence by delivering highly penetrating and effective programs that help people shake off mediocrity, destroy personal barriers, live up to their greatest potential, and align themselves with happiness, success, and excellence. From Fortune 500 companies, national corporations, and social organizations, to professional athletes and inner-city youth, Steve Maraboli is the recognized leader in personal enhancement. Speeches, seminars, and coaching with Steve Maraboli are designed to help break through the barriers that hinder happiness and success, rejuvenate ambition, reignite the drive to succeed, boost productivity, amplify motivation and inspirational drive, renew inner strength, and maximize effectiveness. Today is a new day. Release the power within. For more information, visit our website, abettertoday.com or stevemariboli.com or email us at staff at stevemariboli.com. Steve Mariboli. 
Ever wonder what are the favorite travel destinations of the Hollywood jet set? Where do celebrities like to go when they aren't walking the red carpet? Tune in to Traveras Celebrity Travel Talk with President of Traveras, David Manning, and Lisa O'Hurley, golf aficionado and wife of actor John O'Hurley. On Traveras Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa talk with well-known actors, sports celebrities, and entertainment insiders to find out about their favorite travel destinations and what they recommend. On Traveras Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa also offer up feature vacations each week and last-minute deals for your next getaway. Find out what's new and exciting in the travel industry, as well as how to raise money for your nonprofit organizations while enjoying a wonderful vacation. Travera Celebrity Travel Talk with David Manning and Lisa O'Hurley broadcasts each Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Travera Celebrity Travel Talk, your inside look into celebrities and travel. Talking about what you care about. News, relationships, health, finances. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you would like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome back. I'm Catherine Zox, and you're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on VoiceAmerica.com. Women, I'm your social worker with a microphone. And joining us this morning is Emma McLaughlin and Nicole Krauss. Nikki, for short, authors of Dedication and also authors of best-selling novel The Nanny Diaries. Uh, so, just joining us, we've been talking about uh, dedication um, and the process of actually writing a book. Um, as I said uh, before the break, I, I have a lot of friends, there are a lot of people out there who want to write a book and they really don't know how to go through the process. And uh, before we took the break, I think it was Emma who was uh, giving us the uh, detailed process of how you two did it. It was Emma, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Now I can hear you better. Oh, good. Yeah. It was a little bit uh, difficult to hear you guys. But anyway, okay, so uh, where do we leave off? I think we were talking about what's involved in a, in a book proposal. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah. Which is... Do you have to be a New Yorker, L.A. to do this? Absolutely not. Um, in fact, most writers are not from New York or L.A. Um, most, pe- most writers live in places far more restful and soothing. <laughs> Um, so you just have to mail something in that shows, you know, a sample of your writing, and it always helps to talk about your book in product terms um, without being too mercenary. It is a business, and they're looking to see something that they feel um, there's a market for and perhaps something that, that isn't out there and why you can explain to them that you feel that your book will fill a hole in, in the marketplace. And I think, Nikki, that's difficult for, for artists in general, whether you are a filmmaker or you're an author or an actor, to put it in product form, as you say, it is a business. Um, well, I, I, I think to, to maybe make it a little more relatable or feel less, even even less mercenary, to put it in product terms just really means saying, here's, I see my book being like, these other books, or I see it being different than these other books, and here's why I think people would be interested in this, want to read it, want to buy it. Um, and I think when you think about it that way, of why would someone want, you know, 
I think people are inspired to write books based on reading other books many times. So being able to relate back to that in ter- for the publisher, for the agent, you know, it helps them kind of give it, give it a, give them a way to talk about what you're writing. Is this something I that you, you Emma, very or you learned in college? I mean, this is something that, I mean, you would, or, or something that you learned on your own, or you both came from those kinds of families who were somewhat in the business. So how does one, uh, or where does one get this kind of information? Unfortunately, I think you, you get it from listening to radio shows like yours. Um, <laughs> well, well, that's, that's not like unfortunate. That. That's, that's a great answer. Or asking friends. Um, but it's not readily available, and I think that there are very few creative people out there who are taught to think in business terms. Um, Emma and I have a lot of friends who are dancers, who are actors, who are sculptors, who are painters. And it's been interesting as we move now into our mid-30s to see that the people who've been able to break through are the ones who are able to distance themselves enough from the art to promote the art as a separate entity from themselves and not be embarrassed about it. And I think especially as women, we have a very hard time sort of pushing ourselves and promoting ourselves, and and especially in a culture in which there are so many different forms of entertainment um, and and art competing for people's attention, you, you have to sort of have those elbows. Yeah, and I think you make a good point. And, you know, it's interesting because we're of different generations. I'm probably the age, I'm a baby boomer of your parents. You're in your 30s. And this still, this issue is still exists for women. We're afraid to ask for things. We're afraid to put it in business terms. Hey, I'm talented, but you know what? I have to talk about money at the same time. It just amazes me that I don't know if maybe we've made some strides, but we're still struggling with that issue. And I don't think we're imagining it. I think we get... I think women are quickly labeled as being too pushy, um, you know, money-grabbing, you know, driven in in a negative way. I don't think women are in general encouraged to take pride in, in their worth you know, in financial terms. Yeah, and I think, Nikki, that sometimes that uh, the same behavior for a woman is t- that a man, w- the same behavior that a man and a woman, a woman exhibit is interpreted entirely differently, which I guess is what you're saying, right? Oh, absolutely, and we yeah. hear this in publishing all the time, that young men come into meetings and behave atrociously, and it never gets out into the media. Nobody blinks um, because that's just it's the angry young man, the young artist. And women, uh, we're definitely held to a different standard. Um, and, and especially, you know, we see it as we've edited our books over the years, um, that the quality of being likable seems to be very important to a lot of people. And I think likability is not a standard that male protagonists are held to. So how do we get away from that? I think we, you just need a few women who continue to be brave enough to to show different modes of behavior. I think Chandra Rhimes creating the character of Meredith Grey on Grey's Anatomy is a great example. And she's created this entire show around a character who is abrasive, who's dysfunctional, and um, who makes mistakes. And it's been one of the most popular shows in the history of television. And, and, and it's woken television, ex- television executives up to the potential of that. And while she makes mistakes, she's still extremely, extraordinarily competent. You can mm-hmm. be competent and acceptable, but you don't always have to be likable. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and I, I do think that's one of the issues, one of the main issues with women, whatever field they're in. What about support groups? Do you think that that helps? I think if you can create a network for yourself, um, if you can meet women in your community who are doing the same thing or striving for the same thing, even if it's not in the same area, 
and getting together, whether it's online or in person, and sort of cheering each other on and providing resources for each other. And I think sometimes people can be too um, guarded with their information, and that's not good karma. You know, if you hear of a gallery owner who's looking for new submissions, tell everyone you know, even if you're competing for the same spot um, or an editor who's open-minded. You know, that information should be shared because success for one is success for all. And there's, there's infinite resources concept. for everyone. That's another one that I think is very difficult, Emma, that, you know, you, get, you have information, you're so afraid somebody's going to steal it or get ahead of you or do, you know, do something with it. Um, that's difficult to get over, I think, and, and to do, you know, as you were describing. Um, what about now, you, you, both of you, Emma, Nikki, you're in your 30s, and yeah. you're very successful. You've written three successful novels. You have a movie, all of those kinds of things. What about the process of mentoring for other young women? Because you're like, you're in a perfect position to do that. Other young women who want to be novelists, who want to get out there and and do what you're doing. We do a lot of that. Um, And mostly we tell people to continue to be true to their voice um, and to, to persevere. And that we've seen a lot of people who have been able through self-discipline to continue their day jobs, which we think are very important because there's nothing worse than getting to 30 and realizing that all your friends are starting to put down small mortgages on small homes and you're still waiting tables. Yeah. You know, I think it's important to have, continue to have a quality of life so that your art isn't costing you anything so you continue to nurture it and have a good relationship with it. Um, but still find the time, whether it's like every Wednesday evening and every Saturday afternoon, whatever those times are for yourself, being consistent about carving them out. Um, we tell people to join writing groups in their communities because if you know Wednesday night you have to bring your 10 pages and everyone's going to review them, it will keep you on track. Um, a friend of mine just said, you know, I just was determined to generate 10 pages a month. And within a couple of years, she had a manuscript. She sent it in. It's getting published. So it doesn't require a huge time commitment. It doesn't require moving to the south of Spain. <laughs> you can, Although you that can, doesn't sound too bad either. <laughs> uh, both of you uh, can answer this question, but at what point do you think you should say, well, okay, I have to give up. It's not going to work. I mean, when do you give up? I, I hate to use the word give up, but maybe you say, you know, I'm getting feedback or responses. Maybe this isn't for me. I think you give up when you stop having to do it. So long as you wake up in the morning and this is it just there's a fire inside of you, then it doesn't matter what anyone says. If if writing or or painting or doing your sculpture is the thing that sustains you, keep going for it. You, who knows when you'll when you'll get that that reciprocity from the marketplace. But if you if you get up one day and you're like, "You know what? I did this and I really I can put it down now." Then it's time to move on to something else. And I also think um, we're big believers in in things taking different shapes and and material and art kind of finding finding its right form, the form that it's meant to get out to the public in. We've had stories that have started one way and ended up entirely differently. We've started some things as movies that have ended up as stories. We've started some things as stories that have ended up as film scripts. Um, and I think the same thing is true of being, you know. Pursuing a form of art, you know, both of us were doing some theater work in our young 20s, and the, the transition of moving out of that is kind of allowing yourself some space to try on, you know, is this is this what I want to keep doing? Is this the lifestyle I want to have 10 years from now? And is there any other way that I could be involved in expressing myself and, and pursuing art and at the same time getting my needs met and continuing to grow in my life? And I think just allowing that 
possibility, allowing that question to, to sit with that question for a period of time while you continue in whatever you know, whatever you're pursuing, and just see what happens. You know, it may be that something else kind of reveals itself in your life and another door opens, and it may be that actually it's just an opportunity to reconfirm your commitment to what you're working on. Um, But I think it's important to always be open. Uh, yeah, you always have to be open. Into uh, I, I hear you saying that you really you can a lot of the talent and the passion you may be able to transfer or generalize to another kind of art form if you Absolutely. allow it. Absolutely. Yeah. And there are all sorts of ways to to be involved. You know, you can work a corporate job and volunteer once a week, and you know, and work with a children's choir, or you know, take an art class. Once a week, there are yeah, lots so there are of ways a lot to of continue to nurture. We have to say goodbye. It's been really a delight talking to both oh, of you, good. and I do Thank want to recommend you. listeners to go out buy your book, dedication, great book, Emma McLaughlin and Nicola Kraus, and you have a website, uh, Emma and Nicola dot com. Have a great day. Thanks so much. Thank, Thank you. you. You're listening to Catherine Fox on Voice America, Voice America Women. I'm your social worker with a microphone. Talk radio that informs, entertains, and enlightens you. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. A renowned speaker, writer, and personal coach, Steve Maraboli has risen to national prominence by delivering highly penetrating and effective programs that help people shake off mediocrity, destroy personal barriers, live up to their greatest potential, and align themselves with happiness, success, and excellence. From Fortune 500 companies, national corporations, and social organizations, to professional athletes and inner-city youth, Steve Maraboli is the recognized leader in personal enhancement. Speeches, seminars, and coaching with Steve Maraboli are designed to help break through the barriers that hinder happiness and success, rejuvenate ambition, reignite the drive to succeed, boost productivity, amplify motivation and inspirational drive, renew inner strength, and maximize effectiveness. Today is a new day. Release the power within. For more information, visit our website, abettertoday.com or stevemariboli.com or email us at staff at stevemariboli.com. Steve Mariboli. Live in the Green Life with Kim Carlson, echopreneur, author, and green living maven, brings you an upbeat, fun exploration of the doables of living a more earth-friendly life. Kim cuts through the noise and urban myth of green do's and don'ts and shows that it is possible to live green easily. From hip organic weddings to exotic echo travel to healthy personal care products, get the most current trends and tips from the experts for living a more planet-friendly and human lifestyle. Live in the Green Life with Kim Carlson, broadcast each Thursday at noon pacific 3 p.m eastern on the voice america channel living the green life for a human healthy and planet-friendly lifestyle if you are a self-published author or an independent publisher you know how difficult it is to gain maximum exposure for the latest ways to increase publicity for your work tune into on the same page with maxine thompson every tuesday at 6 a.m pacific time On the show, Maxine will interview thriving independent authors and give you the opportunity to call in and have your questions answered. She will also teach you fresh and innovative ways to gain more visibility and enhance sales for your book. The printed word has the ability to record culture and make history. Once again, that's on the same page with Maxine Thompson, every Tuesday at 6 a.m. Pacific Time. Make your words count on voiceamerica.com. 
about what you care about. News, relationships, health, finances. Voice America, Women's Radio Network. listening to the Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you would like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome back. I'm Catherine Zox, and you're listening to the Catherine Zox Show, your social worker with a microphone on voiceamerica.com women. And joining me this morning is Mina Lessig, author of Tank Top Arms, Bikini Belly, Sounds luscious. Boy Shorts Bottom, that's the title of the book, and she is the expert. She has been a fitness correspondent for CBS's The Early Show, and she's been uh, doing gymnastics since the age of three and also has a degree in biology, an associate degree in exercise physiology from the University of Miami where she was on the diving team. Not surprised. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you on, Mina. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, I, I'm sitting here with your book, looking at your picture, thinking I could never look like that. Oh. Yeah. You know, I try so hard. Your book is great. and it Thank is, you. Yeah. Excellent book. I mean, it really puts things in perspective, although I do have to ask you, uh, can is, is there an age limit for doing these kinds of exercises, or can we look like you at uh, age 50? <laughs> it's very individual. If you've been active all your life, I, you know, a lot of those moves that you might think are hard, you could probably surprise yourself and do, you know. Yeah. So it really just depends on your background and your experience in that sense. Mina, tell us about your program because it's, it's called a, it's a, uh, the book itself presents this four-week sculpting program. Right. And to help women tone their trouble spots. Should we talk about those troubles? I've got lots of trouble spots. (laughs) It does. It focuses on those body parts, which I think are women's main concerns, but it it targets the entire body, too. Um, And, you know, the book has a lot of growing power in it. There are beginner, intermediate, and advanced uh, exercise categories, and within each exercise is a beginner, intermediate, and advanced variation or level of intensity of that exercise. So really anybody from beginner to fitness fanatic could pick up the book and, and take on the program. And the programs that you were referring to, it's a four-week intensified program, and there is a beginner one, an intermediate, and an advanced one. And it really just works to focus on those body parts while working the entire body inside out. That's what it, it does also, which, and, and I think this is really important to mention, it's not just, and I don't say just, but you're getting in shape, you feel healthier, you feel stronger, you feel more energetic. It gives mm-hmm. you, and I think that's really important. It's not just toning your body, but it's that feeling that you are a healthier person, which I think is really important. Absolutely. When you start exercising and you notice changes, positive changes taking place, it also really boosts your confidence, your self-esteem. It just makes you a happier person in general. Mina, what about affirmations? Now, mm-hmm. I think that's another really important part of the program, which makes your program different. You talk about affirmations. Thank you, yes. What are they? Well, positive affirmations, it's affirming what you want uh, to have happen, whether you know, to your body or in your life. It applies really to anything in that sense. In the present tense, getting to a point where you feel as though it has already happened and you feel gratitude for it. So, you know, you, it's not... It doesn't work to say things like, I will lose weight or I am going to get fit because you're sort of chasing that dream and really never making it 
come true. You've got to get to a point where you, no matter how you look today, you're saying, I am fit and lean or whatever it is that you want to achieve in that sense. And really believing it and really feeling gratitude that, and really knowing that it has already happened before maybe you actually see the results. <laughs> but this <laughs> so works. stay in the present. You're saying you need to stay in the present. I always use those ING words. Is that okay? I'm, is, is that yes, sure, 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 I'm sure. losing, I'm doing, I'm, losing I'm weight. here. Yes, sure, absolutely. So it's happening now and you feel great about it. You, you feel thankful for it. Um, I applied this to when I trained for Miss Fitness USA, and every single day I positively affirmed that I, I said I am Miss Fitness USA before it actually happened, and I wholeheartedly believe that that is the reason why I won because I was a no name in the industry. I came in and I just won in my first year, and that's a very political competition to come in and win without being there time after time to really earn your spot. So to what speak. gave you the confidence to initially to be able to say, "Hey, I'm going to do it. I'm going to I'm going to be." Miss Fitness USA. Mm-hmm. Well, I just, I really wanted it. And that's another thing. What, you know, you have to get to the point of really knowing what it is you truly want and desire. You might think, you, you know, you want a six-pack abs or, you know, or a bikini belly, as the title is. But you have to I wouldn't really, settle for that. That's yeah, okay. yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but you really just have to get to the bottom of it as, as to what it is you really want. Because when you find out what it is you really want, that's the starting point, and that's when you can... You can use these tools like positive affirmations or visualization and make it work for you. If you're trying to work towards something that truly deep down inside you really don't care about or you really don't want, it's, you're not going to get there either. So there's a lot of factors that come into play in that sense. And I'm really what about glad that you, you brought say you have to really want it? Of, I mean, it's enough to really want uh, I'm going to my cousin's wedding in mm-hmm. six weeks and so I have to lose weight. Is that enough? Or do you really have to want something more than that in terms of changing your mindset and your body? Um, that's a good point. And, you know, I... I think sometimes maybe it does take time to really uncover what it is you truly want, but but making goals like that are fantastic. It really gives you a date to focus on, a short-term goal, so you can get the ball rolling, and it helps you to stay consistent because you don't want to miss out on a workout. You really are working towards that date. So I think that's terrific if you have a date coming up that you're trying to get your body in shape. And then once you start exercising and you just notice the results and you're feeling good, maybe it's then when you really search, do some soul search, and find out what it is you, what you truly want for yourself, health and fitness-wise. Mina, were you ever out of shape? Because it seems to me you never were. If you were doing gymnastics, <laughs> well, gymnastics um, I, yeah, I, <laughs> I was pretty active since my mom, you know, had me. Uh, she put me in gymnastics at the age of three, and I did sports all my life. And the only time really was after the two pregnancies where I had a little bit of weight to lose, and I felt out of shape for me. I noticed differences for me, so where I had to really get on the ball and, and work a little harder to get back to where I was beforehand. So. And don't you think that's a real motivating factor? I mean, I've had three babies, and I felt I've always, I'm not as in, uh, in the kind of shape that you are, but mm-hmm. maybe after I, I finish your book, I will be. Yes. But I always, and I was always a thin person. I'm, I am a thin person, mm-hmm. but even those extra five pounds after the babies, I felt bad about myself. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's all relative, you know. People can, you know, roll their eyes at you and say, oh, you're thin. What are you worried about or whatever? But it's all relative, and it all depends on how we feel internally. And you know how you feel to be your best. So I think that's a good What about other people? Do you say, you know, you say they roll their eyes here. They see you talking about... Becoming healthier and energetic and looking good, and and they and one of the things don't do they say this to you? Well, you don't really need to do anything. Look at you. <laughs> 
I get it from my uh, family. <laughs> you family meaning who? Female uh, members? Uh, yeah, not from- my sister in law sometimes, or my mother in law. You know, they they say you look fabulous. What are you worried about? And I'm not worried about anything, but I do <laughs> upkeep my program, and I know what I need to do to make myself feel my best energy wise, and just feel really good about myself. So it is. It's very individual. So, me, yes, do you sometimes. follow your program every day? Do you get? Do you have a certain time of day when you do oh, your exercise? Oh boy, when I was single, I'd say yes. But now, being a mom of two toddlers, you know, one is three and one is two years old, to be able to have an hour to work out is a luxury. So, I do the exercises in my book, and some days I'll I, they might give me you know a good twenty minute or thirty minute alone time where I can do that. And other days, I'm finding moments of fitness throughout my day, and whether it's picking my girls up more or you know, vacuuming vigorously to get burn a few more calories or whatever I can. Dancing around the living room with the babies. Oh, yes, that is definitely something we do on a daily basis. <laughs> so do, do you take your babies and have you started them in an exercise program? I do. Yes, <laughs> they already know what squats and lunges are and they know a lot of yoga moves. We do everything. I really encourage that. That is just so important to me and I, you know, the, the childhood obesity is at its highest right now in America and it's so sad and it really it comes down to us as role models we have to do it we have to show our children that we take interest in our health and fitness and they will do the same if we're not doing it why would they i mean we already know this but you just so yes i do i i put it into our routine my girls know after breakfast okay we're going to start our exercise now no matter what it is if we go for a walk or stroll or or put the music on or do yoga but we always incorporate it into our daily activity and you have a DVD that goes along with your book. I do, same title. And some of the moves are different from the book, so it's fun to, to have them both. And they are four 15-minute workouts. One is for arms, one is for abs, one is for butt, and one is a total, minute, total body workout. I think the tank top arms, and I think that's one of the issues, especially if you're thin because you can't lose weight to get rid of those arms that uh, – kind of the flabby arms that come with age, so I think it's really important to do the kinds of exercise that you mm-hmm. mentioned in the book. I have, mm-hmm. My sister-in-law did. She did them. She has, like, she's, you know, she she really got rid of her tank top arms, and she's over 50 years old. She looks good. fantastic. Good for her. Very, very good. Yeah. So what website can we, uh, I know there are a couple websites. You have sure. a website, but then there's tank top armsbikinibelly.com that we can go to for this. That's correct. And my website is minalessig.com, M-I-N-N-A-L-E-S-S-I-G.com. You've also, and uh, we only have a couple minutes left, but uh, you've done some personal training for the stars. Can you mention one? Well, my biggest one was Alex Rodriguez, and I, I haven't trained him in a few years, but I was pretty consistently way back when he was with the Seattle Mariners, so... Yeah, that was that was always fun to train with athletes. They're they're highly highly motivated. <laughs> yeah, I have a son who was a swimmer, a a swimmer who you know won awards at New York State, et cetera. And you're so right; they're mm-hmm. easy. That's the easy. I would imagine that's easier. Yeah, 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 yeah. It really is. But you know, and I tell everybody, and this is something I bring up in the book that we all. Are, can be our own motivators. It's deep down inside of us. We all can do it. So you just got to dig down deep and pull it up, you know? <laughs> that's great advice. I, I, we should leave, we'll leave on that note because that's really, uh, that, that's the kind of advice we want to hear. And I want to mention again the title of the book for listeners to go out. They can purchase it, purchase it at bookstores everywhere and also the DVD, 
tank top arms, bikini belly, boy shorts bottom. Sounds good. We're you know that's a workout in itself to say the title. <laughs> I know. I said it without stuttering, so that's pretty good. Mina Lessig, great having you on the show this morning. Thanks, Thanks for so having much. me. Have a great day. You too. Take care. You are listening to Catherine Sox. This is the Catherine Sox Show on Voice America. Tom, women, I'm your social worker with a microphone. We talk with you, not at you. We're Voice America, Women's Radio Network, the new face of talk radio. The woman MVP who sets you free with host, entrepreneur, author, motivational speaker, corporate executive, philanthropist, wife, and mother, Luann Mitchell-Halter, is an exciting and provocative look at the real world with real exciting guests and real stories of triumph and professionalism with a dash of spice sharing recipes for a better world on all the playing fields of life. Join Luann Mitchell-Halter as she and her guests uncover and expose us to our abilities to create our very own big league MVP. MVP, my victory plan, potential for greatness. The Woman MVP Who Sets You Free with Luann Mitchell-Halter broadcast each Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. The Woman MVP Who Sets You Free. It's time to get off the bleachers, play the game of life, and be the MVP. A renowned speaker, writer, and personal coach, Steve Maraboli has risen to national prominence by delivering highly penetrating and effective programs that help people shake off mediocrity, destroy personal barriers, live up to their greatest potential, and align themselves with happiness, success, and excellence. From Fortune 500 companies, national corporations, and social organizations, to professional athletes and inner-city youth, Steve Maraboli is the recognized leader in personal enhancement. Speeches, seminars, and coaching with Steve Maraboli are designed to help break through the barriers that hinder happiness and success, rejuvenate ambition, reignite the drive to succeed, boost productivity, amplify motivation and inspirational drive, renew inner strength, and maximize effectiveness. Today is a new day. Release the power within. For more information, visit our website, abettertoday.com or stevemariboli.com or email us at staff at stevemariboli.com. Steve Mariboli. Wine and Women is not your boring wine geek show. It is rather a fresh, fast-paced approach featuring interesting stories and entertaining segments about wine and wine-related topics through a warm and chatty format that will appeal especially to women, men optional. Hosted by wine connoisseurs and luxury lifestyle experts, Julie Brosterman, Lisa Kring, Sharon Borston, and Jeanette Oku, Wine and Women takes listeners to Napa, Sonoma, and other wine regions worldwide to meet the best as well as the newest wine makers, to restaurants to meet top chefs and sommeliers, to wine-themed spas, wine country getaways, even into supermarket wine aisles where women and wine angels swoops down and helps shoppers to get their wine picks and more. Women and Wine broadcasts each Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Women and Wine, enjoying life one sip at a time. Finally, radio that was made just for you. Voice America Women's Radio Network. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show on the Voice America Women's Channel. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. 
I'm Catherine Sox, and you're listening to The Catherine Sox Show on Voice America, voiceamerica.com. Women, your social worker with a microphone. And now we get an opportunity to talk to Lauren Beller, who's my business coach and president of Big Fish Nation. Well, Lauren, I could say welcome to the show, but I know you've been listening to these gals. Lots of information today on the show. What do you think? Well, you are one of those women, and I didn't mention it to Mina, but you do have the tank top arms, the bikini belly, and the boy <laughs> shorts bottom. You do, and you're 40 plus. I How am. How many times do I have to plus. announce to the world that you're over 40? Well, uh, you know, I'm used to it now, so it's okay. <laughs> Good. Okay. So but I uh, love listening to her. She was a ton of fun, and I love the name of her book. And I love, you know, it's so funny. I um. I was just thinking a couple of months ago that one of somebody needs to come up with a 15 minute increment program workout program and here it is. I'm so psyched. Yeah, 10 minutes and she said too she has two little kids, two children. And it's just a treat to be able to work on herself. See, that's true when you have a little and you too, you have a new um, I say a new baby, but a year and a half years old uh-huh. and you like to be able to get alone by yourself and sort of focus on yourself is a is a fun thing to do. Yeah, and an hour, who gets an hour at a time? So it's nice to yeah, have 15-minute increments <laughs> is really per- I, and You know, it's interesting. I think that she's absolutely right on. In order to change your body, you don't need hours and hours. You need a 15-minute focus time. I think if you have or you think that you have to do it for more than 15 minutes, one tends not to do it because exactly right. it be, it's too overwhelming. It's like, this is too much. I can't do it. I don't have time. Plus, I don't want to do it. But I think we can do anything in 10 minutes. I mean, even if it's painful, even if you don't want to do it, 10 or 15 minutes is not a big deal. It's true. And, you know, what's interesting, I was thinking about as I was listening to all the, all the um, guests today, I was thinking that, you know, a lot of things – happen in short amount of short amount of time like they the nanny nanny diary authors um emma and nicole were talking about um how someone was writing a book and she just dedicated a little bit of time each day and all of a sudden you know it might have been a couple years but she had it done like i don't think there's anything that you can't do like that you know we can change we can move mountains 10 minutes a day (laughs) yeah baby steps baby steps baby steps baby steps and i think that's true and 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 if you can break it down into those steps whatever you're doing uh, then it doesn't. You don't have this overwhelming feeling like it's just it's climbing Mount Everest. Yeah, I was watching. This was a number of years ago. I was watching. I was up in the Adirondacks and I was watching TV. It was you know one of those dark nights that you know you didn't go out. It was chilly and it was rainy and it was a um, special on. That's every day we're here in, in the Adirondacks. Please <laughs> yeah. don't tell me that I'm heading back there shortly. Well, it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's true. But I was I was watching a program on the Grand Canyon and how it was you know created over millions and millions of years by little drops. You know, water, just water flowing regularly, and it was about consistency. You know, consistency changes everything. So I was, I love listening to both of them. It was um, both, you know, all three. It was fun. Consistency changes everything, whether it's your business, whether it's your health, whether it's your body, whether it's a book. You know, so it does. You're right, and and as you're. As we're talking, I'm thinking consistency does change everything and doing things in baby steps. So what does it say for all the stuff we're doing with this multitasking and running from one place to the next and, um, and you know, chasing those silver balls everywhere and thinking, oh, I can do this and I can do that, and then, then where do we end up? And I think a lot of, of women today are doing that. Just I just, agree with you, and I don't yeah. think it's a healthy way to do it. And I don't think it's, you know, that's not consistent. If we're chasing, as you said, the shiny balls, you know, over and over and over, it's we're not being consistent in the process of what we're creating. You know, if it's focused consistency, you know, versus um, 
not focus consistency. Yeah, and I think all of these women, these successful women, the ones we interviewed this morning, they that's exactly very focused. All of three of them were very are very focused. Very focused. And also, don't you think, Mina said, thinking in the present. See, I really like that because I hear so many people saying, I'm going to do this or I'll do it tomorrow or it's going to happen. Hey, what are you doing now? Exactly. In the present moment. Yeah, I think that's really, and, and I try to do that. Even in my writing, and I think I've told you this before, I always like to use, and I said, as I said to Mina, I-N-G, like it's happening, it's doing, it's now, it's not the future. In the moment, right, it's happening as we speak. In other words, yeah, in other words, if you can think about your business or your life, you know, what's going on right now, well, it's the things that you're in process of completing, you know, that, that's what's happening, whether it's gaining weight, <laughs> losing weight. Gaining or losing, you're never gaining. You seem to be so consistent in that area. And by the way, what are your trouble spots? Now, I'll tell you mine <laughs> if you'll tell me yours. <laughs> well, it is different after you have a child. Yeah, well, I've had three, you've had one. Uh-huh. Yeah, and so trouble, you know, it's, trouble spots are just the spots, I'm, I have to be honest with you, trouble spots are the ones that you don't work as much, and then you have a trouble spot. So, you know, the back of your legs, the, you know, your belly, under your belly button, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and when it goes over your belly, when it's hanging out there, I mean, it's like, okay, so belly, definitely, I've got the upper arm thing going on. Yeah, a lot you of mentioned my, that. You mentioned yeah, that I did, I admit ago. to it, because see, yeah. nobody can see me, so, you know, you can say a lot on the radio, because nobody, you don't really have to prove it, because no one's going to see you anyway, right? You know, I think that, though, it would be interesting. I do think that it doesn't matter the age. I saw someone recently that was 50-plus and just totally changed her body, and I was so impressed. I couldn't, you wouldn't even believe her body. You, she walked out. You'd think she was a 30-year-old. So and how did she do that? 50 it was and she really looked 30? Focused. Oh, she was 50-something, but her bo- she had the body of a 30-something, and she just was really focused about working specific areas of her body, very similar to what Mina was talking about. I have... A- the stomach thing. I have the arms. I don't have a leg. <laughs> I'm getting back to real specific. I do not have a thigh problem uh-huh. because I have thin legs. So that is one area that I don't have to work on. And even with age, they seem to, because it's also genetics, I think. That's I agree. Part of it I do yeah. think genetics does help or makes you have to work harder, one or the yeah. other. Or it's your area. role model. I mean, you have a thin mother. You have a mother's in shape. I have a thin mother, and she's in shape, and she's really old. I hope, you know, if she, I hope she's not listening, but she has always maintained her body and been in good shape. So it's genetics, and it's also kind of a way of life. It is a way of life. So you, you know, have to do that for your daughter. And, you know, Mina said that it was like she was, she says she's dancing around and with her kids and she's pushing the vacuum faster and harder. It's like it's the lifestyle of how you choose to be. Are you sitting around all day or are you getting up and moving and parking far from the grocery store or whatever? It's like we have to be conscious about what is our intention. Yeah. So, Lauren, what, do you, what is your intention? I want to know. We've got two minutes left. What are you going to do with Sierra Bella? <laughs> from an exercise standpoint? From an exercise point of view, I, like when would you start her? I mean, she's not two yet. No, she's not two yet. Um, she's actually, I just enrolled her today, funny you should ask that, in four weeks of swimming classes. That's fantastic. I think swimming is great. It, 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 you stay in shape, discipline, the whole thing. We have to say goodbye. It was a great hour. Thank you so yeah. much. Great. Great hour. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to Catherine Zox with Lauren Beller. And you're listening to Voice America, voiceamerica.com. Women, I'm your social worker with a microphone. Have a great week and uh, a great day, and I'll see you next week.
We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Catherine Zox Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversation with Catherine Zox.